Chapter Fifteen of A Small Boy and Others. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by M. B. A Small Boy and Others by Henry James. Chapter Fifteen. It is to the Institution Vernier's that my earliest recovery of the sense of being in any degree educated with W. J. attaches itself an establishment which occupied during the early fifties a site in the very middle of broadway of the lower the real broadway where it could throb with the very pulse of the traffic in which we all innocently rejoiced believing it i surmise the liveliest conceivable a fact that is by itself in the light of the present an odd rococo note the lower broadway I allude to the whole Fourth Street and Bond Street. Where now is the Bond Street of that antiquity? Was then a seat of education, since we had not done with it, as I shall presently show, even when we had done with the Institution, a prompt disillusionment. And I brood thus over a period which strikes me as long, and during which my personal hours of diligence were somehow more than anything else hours of the pavement and the shop-front, or of such contemplative exercise as the very considerable distance, for small legs, between those regions, and the westward Fourteenth Street might comprise. Pedestrian gaping having been in childhood, as I have noted, prevailingly my line, fate appeared to have kindly provided for it on no small scale, to the extent even that it must have been really my sole and single form of athletics. Vague heated competition and agitation in the then enclosed Union Square would seem to point a little among us all to nobler types of motion, but of any basis for recreation, anything in the nature of a playground or a breathing space, the institution itself was serenely innocent. This I take again for a note extraordinarily medieval. It occupied the first and second floors, if I rightly remember, of a wide front that, overhanging the endless thoroughfare, looked out on the bouncing, clattering stages and painfully dragged carts and the promiscuous human shuffle, the violence of repercussions from the New York pavement of those years to be further taken into account and I win it back from every side as, in spite of these aspects of garish publicity, a dark and dreadful, and withal quite absurd scene. I see places of that general time, even places of confinement, in a dusty golden light that special memories of small misery scarce in the least bedim, and this holds true of our next and quite neighbouring refuge. The establishment of Monsieur Vernier's alone darkles and shrinks to me. A sordidly black interior is my main image for it, attenuated only by its having very soon afterwards, as a suffered ordeal, altogether lapsed and intermitted. Faintly in the gloom I distinguish Monsieur Vernier's himself, quite old, very old indeed as I supposed him and highly irritated and markedly bristling, though of nothing in particular that happened to me at his or at anyone else's hands have I the scantest remembrance. 
what really most happened no doubt was that my brother and i should both come away with a mind prepared for a perfect assimilation of alphonse daudet's chronicle of jack years and years later on to make the acquaintance in that work of the petit pays show among whom jack learnt the first lessons of life was to see the institution vernier's at once revive swarming as it did with small homesick cubans and mexicans the complete failure of blondness that marks the memory is doubtless the cumulative effect of so many of the new york petit pays show preponderantly brown and black in conducting to a greasy gloom into this gloom i fear i should see all things recede together but for a certain salient note the fact that the whole staff appears to have been constantly in a rage from which naturally resulted the accent of shrillness the only accent we could pick up though we were supposed to be learning for the extreme importance of it quantities of french and the sound of high vociferation i remember infuriated ushers of foreign speech and flushed complexion the tearing across of hapless exercises and dictates and the hurtle through the air of dodged volumes only never despite this the extremity of smiting there can have been at the institution no blows instructionally dealt not even from our hours of ease do any such echoes come back to me little cubans and mexicans i make out were not to be vulgarly whacked in deference presumably to some latent relic or imputed survival of castilian pride which would impose withal considerations of quite practical prudence food for reflection and comparison might well have been so suggested interesting at least the element of contrast between such opposed conceptions of tone temper and manner as the passion without wax or with wax only of inanimate objects ruling the scene i have described and the wax without passion the grim impersonal strictly penal applications of the rod which then generally represented what was still involved in our english tradition it was the two theories of sensibility of personal dignity that so diverged but with such other divergences now on top of those that the old comparison falls away we to-day go unwhacked altogether though from a pride other than castilian it is very difficult to say at least what ideal has thus triumphed in the vernier's air at any rate i seem myself to have sat unscathed and unterrified not alarmed even by so much as a call to the blackboard only protected by my insignificance which yet covered such a sense of our dusty squalor queer for us the whole affair assuredly but how much queerer for the poor petit pays showed who had come so far for their privilege we had come comparatively but from round the corner and that left the state of education and the range of selection all about as quaint enough what could these things then have been in the various native climes of the petit pays showed it was by some strong wave of reaction clearly that we were floated next 
into the quieter haven of Mr. Richard Pulling Jenks, where cleaner waters, as I feel their coolness still, must have filled a neater, though it was true, slightly more contracted trough. Yet the range of selection had been, even on this higher plane, none too strikingly exemplified. Our jumping had scant compass. We still grubbed with a good conscience in Broadway and sidled about Fourth Street. But I think of the higher education as having there, from various causes, nonetheless begun to glimmer for us. A diffused brightness, a kind of high cross-light of conflicting windows, rests for me at all events on the little realm of Mr. Pulling Jenks, and bathes it as with positively sweet limitations. Limited must it have been, I feel, with our couple of middling rooms, front and back, our close packing, from the aggregation of which elements there distills itself, without my being able to account for it, a certain perversity of romance. I speak, indeed, here for myself in particular, and keen for romance must I have been in such conditions, I admit. Since the sense of it had crept into a recreational desert even as utter as that of the Institution Vernier's. Up out of Broadway we still scrambled. I can smell the steep and cold and dusty wooden staircase. Straight into Broadway we dropped. I feel again the generalized glare of liberation, and I scarce know what tenuity of spirit it argues that I should neither have enjoyed nor have been aware of missing, speaking again for myself only, a space wider than the schoolroom floor to react and knock about in. I literally conclude that we must have knocked about in Broadway and in Broadway alone, like perfect little men of the world. We must have been let loose there to stretch our legs and fill our lungs, without prejudice either to our earlier and later freedoms of going and coming. I as strictly infer, at the same time, that Broadway must have been then as one of the alleys of Eden, for any sinister contact or consequence involved for us, a circumstance that didn't in the least interfere, too, as I have noted, with its offer of an entrancing interest. The interest, verily, could have been a calculated thing on the part of our dear parents, as little as on that of Mr. Jenks himself. Therefore, let it be recorded as still most odd that we should all have assented to such deficiency of landscape, such exiguity of sport. I take the true inwardness of the matter to have been in our having such short hours, long as they may have appeared at the time, that the day left margin at the worst for private inventions. I think we found landscape for ourselves, and wherever I at least found vision I found such sport as I was capable of, even between the front and back rooms and the conflicting windows, even by the stove which somehow scorched without warming, and yet round which Mr. Coe and Mr. Dolmage, the drawing-master and the writing-master, arriving of a winter's day, used notedly, and in the case of Mr. Coe, lamentedly, to draw out their delays. Is the dusty golden light of retrospect in this connection 
and effluence from Mr. Dolmage and Mr. Coe, whose ministrations come back to me as the sole directly desired or invoked ones I was to know in my years, such as they were, of pupilage. I see them, in any case, as old-world images, figures of an antique stamp, products, mustn't they have been, of an order in which some social relativity, or matter-of-course adjustment, some transmitted form and pressure, were still at work. Mr. Dolmage, inordinately lean, clean-shaved, was as comparatively uncommon then, and in a swallow-tailed coat, and I think a black satin stock, was surely perfect in his absolutely functional way, a pure penholder of a man, melancholy and mild, who taught the most complicated flourishes. Great scrolls of them met our view in the form of surging seas and beaked and beady-eyed eagles, the eagle being so calligraphic a bird, while he might just have taught resignation. He was not at all funny. No one out of our immediate family circle, in fact almost no one but W. J. himself, who flowered in every waist, seems to have struck me as funny in those years. But he was to remain with me a picture of somebody in Dickens, one of the fizz, if not the Crookshank pictures. Mr. Coe was another affair, bristling with the question of the hard, but somehow too with the revelation of the soft, the deeply attaching, a worthy of immense stature and presence, crowned as with the thick white hair of genius, wearing a great gathered or puckered coat with a vast velvet collar, and resembling, as he comes back to me, the general Winfield Scott who lived so much in our eyes then. The oddity may well even at that hour have been present to me of its taking so towering a person to produce such small drawing cards. It was as if some mighty bird had laid its diminutive eggs. Mr. Coe, of a truth, laid his all over the place, and though they were not more than handy size, very small boys could set them up in state on very small desks, they had doubtless a great range of number and effect. They were scattered far abroad, and I surmise celebrated. They represented crooked cottages, feathery trees, browsing and bristling beasts, and other rural objects, all rendered, as I recall them, in little detached dashes that were like stories told in words of one syllable, or even more, perhaps, in short gasps of delight. It must have been a stammering art, but I admired its fluency, which swims for me moreover in richer though slightly vague associations. Mr. Coe practised on a larger scale in colour, in oils, producing wondrous neat little boards that make me to this day think of them and more particularly smell them when I hear of a panel picture. A glamour of greatness attends them as brought home by W. J. from the master's own place of instruction to that old university building which partly formed the east side of Washington Square and figures to memory, or to fond imagination, as throbbing with more offices and functions, a denser chiaroscuro than any reared hugeness of today where a character is so lost in quantity.
is there any present structure that plays such a part in proportion to its size though even as i ask the question i feel how nothing on earth is proportioned to present sizes these alone are proportioned and to mere sky space and mere amount amount of steel and stone which is comparatively uninteresting perhaps our needs and our elements were then absurdly were then provincially few and that the patches of character in that small grey granite compendium were all we had in general to exhibit let me add at any rate that some of them were exhibitional even to my tender years i mean since i respond even yet to my privilege of presence at some commencement or commemoration such as might be natural doubtless to any university whereas under a high rich roof before a chancellor in a gown and amid serried admirers and impressive applause there was speaking of the finest sort and where above all i gathered in as a dazzling example the rare assurance of young winthrop somebody or somebody winthrop who though still in jackets held us spellbound by his rendering of sergeant buzzfuzz's exposure of mr pickwick long was i to marvel at the high sufficiency of young winthrop somebody or somebody winthrop in which romantic impression it is perhaps after all though with the consecration of one or two of the novels of the once admired theodore of that name which so remarkably insists thrown in the sense of the place is embalmed i must not forget indeed that i throw in also mr coe even if with less assured a hand by way of a note on those higher flights of power and promise that i at this time began to see definitely determined in my brother as i catch w j s image from far back at its most characteristic he sits drawing and drawing always drawing especially under the lamplight of the fourteenth street back parlour and not as with applauding patience which i think would have less affected me but easily freely and as who should say infallibly always at the stage of finishing off his head dropped from side to side and his tongue rubbing his lower lip i recover a period during which to see him at all was so to see him the other flights and faculties removed him from my view these were a matter of course he recurred he passed nearer but in his moments of ease and i clearly quite accepted the ease of his disappearances didn't he always when within my view light them up and justify them by renewed and enlarged vividness so that my whole sense of him as formed from assimilations scarce conceivable made our gaps of contact too natural for me even to be lessons in humility humility had nothing to do with it as little even as envy would have had i was below humility just as we were together outside of competition mutually hors concours his competitions were with others in which how wasn't he how could he not be successful while mine were with nobody or nobody's with me which came to the same thing as heaven knows i neither braved them nor missed them that winter 
as I recover it, represents him as sufficiently within view to make his position or whereabouts in the upper air definite. I must have taken it for granted before, but could now in a manner measure it, and the freshness of this sense, something serene in my complacency, had to do, I divine, with the effect of our moving with the rest of our company, which was not numerous but practically, but appreciably select, on a higher and fairer plane than ever yet. Predominantly, of course, we owed this benefit to Richard Pulling himself, of whom I recall my brother's saying to me, at a considerably later time, and with an authority that affected me as absolute, that he had been, of all our masters, the most truly genial, in fact the only one to whom the art of exciting an interest or inspiring a sympathy could be in any degree imputed. I take this to have meant that he would have adorned a higher sphere, and it may have been, to explain his so soon swimming out of our ken, that into a higher sphere he rapidly moved. I can account at least for our falling away from him the very next year and declining again upon baser things and a lower civilization, but by some probability of his flight, just thereafter effected, to a greater distance, to one of the far upper reaches of the town. Some years must have elapsed, and some distinction have crowned him when, being briefly in New York together, W. J. and I called on him of a Sunday afternoon to find, what I hadn't been at all sure of, that he still quite knew who we were, or handsomely pretended to, handsomely in spite of his markedly confirmed identity of appearance with the punch husband to judy of the funny papers and the street show bald rotund of a ruddy complexion with the nose the chin the arched eye the paunch and the barbiche to say nothing of the ferrule nursed in his arms and with which in the show such free play is made mr jenks yet seems to me to have preserved a dignity as well as projected an image, and in fact have done other things besides. He whacked occasionally. He must have been one of the last of the whackers. But I don't remember it as ugly or dreadful or droll. Don't remember, that is, either directly feeling or reflectively enjoying it. It fails somehow to break the spell of our civilization my share in which, however, comes back to me as merely contemplative. It is beyond measure odd, doubtless, that my main association with my studies, whether of the infant or the adolescent order, should be with almost anything but the fact of learning. Of learning, I mean, what I was supposed to learn. I could only have been busy at the same time with other pursuits, which must have borne some superficial likeness, at least, to the acquisition of knowledge of a free, irresponsible sort. Since I remember few either of the inward pangs or the outward pains of a merely graceless state, I recognize at the same time that it was perhaps a sorry business to be so interested in one didn't know what. Such are, whether at the worst or at the best, some of the aspects of that season as Mr. Jenks's image presides. 
in the light of which I may perhaps again rather wonder at my imputation to the general picture of so much amenity. Clearly the good man was a civilizer, wax and all, and by some art not now to be detected. He was a complacent classic, which was what my brother's claim for him, I dare say, mostly represented, though that passed over the head of my tenth year. It was a good note for him in this particular that, deploring the facile textbooks of Dr. Anthon of Columbia College, in which there was even more crib than text, and holding fast to the sterner discipline of Andrews and Stoddard, and of that other more conservative commentator, he too doubtless long superseded, whose name I blush to forget. I think in fine of Richard Pulling's small but sincere academy as a consistent little protest against its big and easy and quite outdistancing rival, the Columbia College School, apparently in those days quite the favourite of fortune. End of chapter 15